that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Sorry about the absence yesterday, the day before. This is the, how it works with me being basketball recruiting analyst and also just other stuff popping up on the station, Little League Baseball and other stuff here and there. But we're back today. We should be here tomorrow as well. That's the plan, and there's plenty to talk about today, especially after missing a few days. I want to start with UK basketball, able to have a media opportunity yesterday, speak with John Calipari, the Harrison twins, Alex Poitras. There's plenty to talk about there. And then after that, I was allowed to watch UK basketball practice. Now UK media or UK media relations, uh, they don't let everybody watch practice and the people that they do watch practice, they want to make sure that those people are careful about what they talk about. So you can't. I won't be allowed to be too specific on what I discussed today. I did have a basketball practice report on House of Blue at CatsIllustrated.com that was as detailed as I could get without pushing the line. Uh, these letting media go to practice is something UK doesn't do often. They might let a few people go once every year, and this year they've had three open days already. It seems like they might open it up a little bit, especially after the Bahamas. We'll have to see. Maybe they won't do it at all. But it's not something you want to jeopardize if you were able to see one practice. Uh, you definitely want to go back and watch some more. But with that, I'll get into it more as the show goes on. But uh, watching that practice, and I, and I know that it's football season. I know that football starts in just a matter of weeks. But with UK playing in the Bahamas, it kind of switches things up. And any Kentucky fan or any Kentuckian knows, even if you're a UofL fan, basketball season never really ends in this part of the in this part of the country. So we'll t- we're going to talk a little basketball, and I'm excited to talk about that. UK football, no media opportunity today as they get prepared for media day tomorrow. That's the biggest media event, obviously, of the year. There's going to be uh, over 100 media people more than likely at Commonwealth tomorrow to hear Stoops. He'll he'll speak for about 30 minutes. Uh, the coordinators will speak for an extended period of time, and everyone will be made available to the media. It's the only time the freshmen will be allowed to talk until after the first game of the year. So if you want to hear something from Drew Barker, if you want to hear something from Matt Elam, if you want to hear something from any freshman, this is going to be your one chance to listen to them is Stanley Williams is another one that I think a lot of people are excited to hear about. This is your only chance to be able to get quotes for them until the end of the month. So that's something that Joker started doing his last year. And I guess Stoops liked that idea. Uh, the The reasoning behind it is that freshmen haven't done anything. They sh- There's nothing that they should talk to the media. I think it's stupid because freshmen, especially at Kentucky, are generally a big part of the team and whether or not they've played or not is irrelevant. Now, if you wanted to make the quarterbacks unavailable, I'd get that. And and Kentucky does do that. It's the only the only chance we're going to get the only time we're going to get to talk to the quarterbacks until likely a decision's made, which last year wasn't made till after or before the first game, just before kickoff. So it's going to be the last time we're going to get to talk to the quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to wait that long to make a decision on the quarterbacks this year. But it's the only time we're going to get to talk to Reese Phillips, Drew Barker, Patrick Tolls. 
And being in Lexington yesterday, I didn't cover the football practice as they were very early in the morning. Stoops was very disappointed yesterday with the football. But some scuttlebutt in Lexington is that the quarterback race is down to two people, and it's not the two that you would think. I, for me, it would be Patrick Tolles and Drew Barker, and that would be that. But supposedly, it's Patrick Tolles and Reese Phillips. And UK's line of thinking is if it's Patrick Tolles, they feel good about the offense. They're going to open it up to him. They're going to let him make some deep throws. They're going to let him try to be risky on what he wants to do, something that I don't think we've really seen of UK's offense since Andre Woodson. I'm not comparing the two, but in terms of opening up the offense and letting the quarterback have some fun, that's what I've been. That's what I've heard will happen if Patrick Tolles has made the quarterback. Now, if they want to, if they don't feel as good about their offense, I've heard that Reese Phillips could be the option, and this is why because Reese Phillips is very accurate within 15 yards, and he and he doesn't really take too many chances. He's the safer option. So if UK doesn't feel great about their wide receivers, if they don't feel great about the deep threat. They might just go with Reese Phillips. It would be their way of playing it safe for the offense. So we're going to talk more about that. Uh, Yates, how are you this fine Thursday? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. What's what's on your mind today in the sports world? Are you all? Are you, is your main focus on golf? Uh yeah, I guess. Sure. Tiger Woods going out today after a lot of people didn't think he was going to play, and then obviously yesterday was the the big the big story was that he was going to play. He was available, spoke with the media, and then goes out today and shoots a three over, his worst score I think ever in the first round of the PGA. Not super impressive. I was able to watch the majority of his first round. He put himself in some good spots a lot of times and then couldn't finish. And then a couple other times he put himself in bad spots and would make some nice plays to get out of further trouble. It just doesn't seem like he could put one great hole together. What was your takeaway from Tiger's round today, Yates? Uh, I mean, probably. I mean, it's a little disappointing, but I don't know if it's all that surprising. I don't, I don't know if even Tiger expects to do great. I think. From what I gather, the main reason he's even playing this weekend is to hopefully prove to Tom Watson that his back is healthy enough to make the Ryder Cup, which is probably even a long shot anyway. Uh, I, do, I agree. I think it is a long shot. He'll make the Ryder Cup. I don't, it, what, do you think he even wants to play in the Ryder Cup? Uh, well, Dan Patrick talked to Nota Begay today on his show, and who is a, a former college teammate of Tiger's, and I think they're pretty close. And he indicated that Tiger really, really wants to play in the Ryder Cup. Like, Huh. I, I, it, even in his prime, it, it didn't seem like a Ryder, the Ryder Cup was a priority for him, let alone when he's in this year-long slump. I, I guess maybe it would be a way for him to play well and kind of be on uh, the right side of the media and, and, and be a step in the right direction of becoming – the tiger that people used to know. I, I don't think he's ever going to be the tiger that dominated golf, but he certainly could. There, a good Ryder Cup performance would keep him away from the tiger that's dropping out of tournaments left and right. Uh, honestly, as a United States supporter in the Ryder Cup, uh, I don't want Tiger. He he hasn't proven to me that 
he would be a, a solid choice for the Ryder Cup team. Yates, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, based on the way he's been playing lately, you would think that he'd probably be more a detriment than uh, you know, helpful to the team. And I'm a big Tiger fan. I was hoping he'd play better today. I think he definitely will play better tomorrow. I don't know if it'll be enough to make the cut. Right now he's tied for 130th. And last place is at 13 over at 156. So he's he's definitely got some work to do tomorrow. Uh, the Ryder Cup is something I'm, I'm really excited about. And when I was mentioning all about all the great sports in August, the Ryder Cup's in September. So uh, the sports looking ahead, previewing ahead, there's plenty to like and right now on the TV the the PGA is on TNT and they're showing Ryan Moore who I watched a lot out there on Tuesday and he's even he was kind of one of my sleepers I saw that Mike Rutherford tweeted before me making him one of his sleepers so I would have felt dumb tweeting it shortly after there but I watched him practice Tuesday and he looked really good and he's a guy that's been impressive lately Clayby 116 wasting no time tweeting in saying for as bad as Tiger played today, he had plenty of opportunities out there. He just couldn't capitalize. He left out a birdie and left two other ones, just one roll short. That's That was kind of my point, is that he w- it seemed like when he was in a good position, he couldn't finish or capitalize. And when he was in a bad position, he did enough to stop the bleeding, which is impressive. But again, you got to put two and two together. His only birdie, if I'm not mistaken, was the chip-in which isn't a good sign that that's your only birdie is chip-ins for golf for pro golfers aren't lucky by any means, but they, they don't, they're rare. You don't see a chip in every hole from a pro golfer. That's obviously why they pack their putters. That, that's not a good sign that that's your only birdie. Again, he had some chances. I, I think he'll shoot much better tomorrow. I think he'll probably be four or five under tomorrow and we'll have to see if two under, which I imagine it would, would be enough to make the cut. The course out there is beautiful. Looks good. Uh, able to walk it and, and check it out the other day. But I was going to talk about this yesterday if I was going to be able to do the show, but called into Lexington late and had to go up there. But Yates, I, I fully stand by having going out there Saturday. And I'm almost of the mindset, if you're a real golf fan, maybe not going out there at all. And again, it has nothing to do with Valhalla. It has nothing to do with what kind of job they've done out there. It's it's beautiful. It's a great setup. It's very uh, fan-friendly. But they're there to make money, and that's what they're going to do this weekend. If you want to go out there all day and watch from 9 to 5 and you know probably watch two groups go through 18 holes, it's going to be hard for you, not including tickets, not to spend... Car- close to $100. That's assuming you want to eat a lunch. That's assuming you might get another snack. And that's assuming you're going to drink either, even if it's just water, it's going to be pricey. But even uh, assuming you want to drink out there, you're going to spend close to 100 bucks. And you, everybody who watched today, if you didn't get a watch, the, the gallery surrounding Tiger was unbelievable. So even if he makes it to this weekend, that gallery is still going to be very big. But if he doesn't, which it almost might be worse, then all those Tiger watchers are going to be watching elsewhere and and crowd around the other popular golfers. At least Tiger was taking some people away from some other good golfers. So if you wanted to get away from that, you had a chance. And while it's a nice setup and while it's fan-friendly out there, 
you it, it, it's tough. Either you have to decide you want to watch where a ball is going to land, or you have to watch just to you want to you have to decide to watch a golfer hit a ball. You can't do both. So you can either decide to watch him hit and not see where it lands, or you can decide to watch where it lands and not see him hit, or you can decide to watch him putt and not see anything but the putt. And of course, you can fall along, but at that point, people are already lined up in those positions. So then you're back of the line. It's it's not. If you want to go out there for the environment and to say you went to a PGA Championship, that's great and that's fine. And that's what I'm going to do Saturday, and I'm excited about it, and I'm going to have fun. But if you want to go there and watch golf and follow along, debatably one of the best tournaments, one of the best majors of the year, then being there makes it tough to be able to follow along accurately. And it's a lot of walking too. But it's nice out there, and it's you're going to have a good time if you go. But it's really tough. It's going to be really tough for you to follow along when you're out there. So my pick to win was Martin Keimer. I made that uh, known last night. Right now he is, let's see, one under. He's only through five holes, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. Lee Westwood is the clubhouse leader at six under. Not really. I, I'm hoping Lee Westwood doesn't win. He was not very happy with what supposedly with the Ryder Cup when it was back in Valhalla uh, a few years ago. Kind of complained about it. Said some of the fans were shameful. Get out of here. Louisville golf fans are the best. And we take pride in our country. If you can't handle it, then you can just you, don't be a sore loser. But right now he's leading, and I, and I hope I hope that doesn't hope that doesn't stay true. Yates, who, what's who's your prediction for for winning? Um, I don't know. I'll I'll take the uh, the easy way out, and I'll go with Rory. He's pretty hot right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I, I think his odds to win. If I'm not, I, I think I saw somewhere that they were five to one, which I feel is ridiculous. I think that's a sucker bet. It's so hard to win uh, a major golf tournament. And while Rory's probably been, uh, with, without question, has been the best golfer this year, it's still so difficult to win, and especially at those odds. But that's uh, that would probably be the smartest pick with the way he's been playing. And this is a uh, a course I feel he can do well on. But it, it going out there and just watching Tuesday – and seeing all the different golfers and seeing, and there's, there's, like I said, a hundred, the last place guys, a hundred is 156 is his place. So there's hundred over a hundred golfers playing out there and watching them all chip and putt and play their practice rounds and take shot after shot kind of makes you realize for certainly from Tiger's perspective, but even from Rory and any golfer's perspective, just how hard it is to win a golf tournament, let alone one of the majors, especially a, a, a the PGA Championship on a course, a style like Valhalla, which is a very clean course. It shows just how tough it is, and, and it kind of puts in perspective just how unbelievable Tiger was when he was dominating, and also what Rory has been able to do and, and some of the golf legends of the past. It is so tough. I think the difference in the best golfer in this tournament versus, you know, the golfer, you know, Tiger Woods is even behind. Uh, like I said, he's ranked 133rd or whatever it is, 130th. But the difference in the best golfer and the worst golfer in this tournament 
it isn't as great as I think other sports, the difference between the best and the worst is. So my point is it's really, really tough. All these golfers have, have hit good shots on this course and they've had good looks at, at birdies. It's so tough for four days to be that consistent and that good to win consecutive tournaments, consecutive majors. So that's why that's one reason why I think Rory isn't going to win. It's just because it's that tough to be able to put it together week in and week out. But when you're hot, you're hot. And and he's even playing well today. He's got a bunker shot right here. And he's hit some bad shots today, and he's at one under still, which is impressive. So he's got a bunker shot today. I watched him hit a lot of bunker shots on Tuesday. Did a great job in just what he did right now and put it within three feet from the cup. So that, that might be a good pick. It's certainly the safe pick, Yates, but that might be a good pick, picking Rory. And he's looking good right now. Anyways, I think it's a good time to head to our first commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk what what I saw from UK's basketball practice. As always, you can tweet in your questions at T Walker Rivals. I would love to answer some of those on the air. So UK basketball, when we come back, as they prepare for the Bahamas, uh, an exciting trip for UK and also a nice little midsummer break from the basketball uh, suspension from the end of the season to the regular season in November. So stick around here on 1450, the sports buzz. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. And we're back here in the second segment, Sports Talker, 1450, the Sports Buzz, on a very nice Thursday afternoon in Louisville. Really perfect for perfect golf conditions. And I think the, the folks out at Valhalla are really catching a break for it being early to mid-August to have this weather currently it says that it's 82 degrees but there's a a nice breeze nothing big so people out of Valhalla are catching a break the golfers are catching a break and I think that's why you're seeing some decent scores out there today chance of rain every day this week but it looks like it's going to be cool throughout so this has been a, a nice summer in terms of the weather I'm not complaining I feel like after the winter we had we deserve a summer like this, and I certainly enjoy it. Got another tweet from Rob Blackcock asking, so he said, so apparently Tiger has already screwed the pooch, and talking about Tiger's disappointing performance. Uh, yes, Rob Blackcock, it looks like Tiger is off to a rocky start. This uh, You have to remember, last year Tiger, I don't know if he actually won golfer of the year last year, but he won a bunch of tournaments. Looked really good. Wasn't able to win a major, but looked like the Tiger of old at times and looked really impressive. So I'm not saying that he's done completely. He is done dominating golf. That much is clear. But does that mean he can't win another major? No, that doesn't mean he can't win another major. They're really tough, and and it's going to be hard for him to do that, especially with how he looks now. But he's having a bad year, a bad year that's been plagued by injuries. So I'm not ready to say he's done and people need to move on and forget about him. But you do need to forget about the dominant Tiger, which is understandable. When people get older, they aren't as dominant. It's simple as that. 
again, he'll bounce. He'll bounce back tomorrow. Martin, my boy Martin Keimer right now has a long par putt to keep him at one under, and it dropped. Wow, that was impressive. So this might be the year of the Germans. When German Martin Keimer already went in a major this year, and obviously Germany winning the World Cup. Speaking of World Cup, Landon Donovan decides to retire from soccer at the end of this MLS season. Maybe the most iconic United United States soccer player to ever play. He's going to hang up his cleats at the end of the year. Yates, I guess that will make Klinsman's decision in 2018 a little easier to keep Donovan off the off the roster, right? I'd say so, yeah. Unless he pulls a comeback tour or something. Pulls a, a yeah, pulls a Brett Favre and comes back. I, I, obviously, he wasn't going to make the team in 2018. He was going to retire before then. But I do think it's a little early for him to retire. He's still playing well in the MLS. And if you're going to, I don't know how much money he's making for the LA Galaxy, but it's at least a couple mil, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to keep playing. So I'm going to keep playing my sport, even if I'm not dominant at it, for as long as I can while people are going to give me money for it. And maybe that makes me, I, 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 maybe that makes me a bad person, but why? Why wouldn't you want to make as much money as you possibly can playing a sport? that eventually you're not going to, to be able to do forever. I guess some people like to go out top. That wouldn't be – I, I would just get bored. I work from home right now, and I get bored. I, I wake up around 8 or 9, type some stories, and then on an average day, I'm generally done until my radio show. Now, some days I have to go to Lexington. Some days I have to do stories later at night. Uh, whenever there's games going on, I have to cover those and – you know, if it's a nine o'clock game, that doesn't mean I'm I, I can't leave to go home until usually around one or one thirty. So there's some other perks to my job, or there's some downsides to my job to go along with the perks. But right now I, I'm bored. I felt like if you retired when you were 39 years old, 38 years old, you'd be really bored. So I'm gonna keep playing if I was Landon Donovan. But uh, a true soccer legend here in this country really helped put U.S. soccer on the map. Provided some. Unforgettable moments in World Cups. Decide, deciding to hang it up, you almost you, you kind of feel sorry that he didn't make the United States team this year because for a lot of casual soccer fans, that's how he's going to be remembered, which isn't right for everything he did. But you almost wish he just made the team just so that controversy and that debate could have been avoided, but not to be. And I'm not saying, you know, again, like I've said before, I don't think the United States would have went further in the World Cup if they had Landon Donovan. But you do avoid talking about it right now in, in, on August 7th like I am. But anyways, moving forward, UK basketball. A lot of people want to know about this. My, pa- my practice report has nearly 3,000 views on House of Blue, uh, more than any of the football reports. It's it's and, and don't even yeah I, I eventually I'm going to talk about this I don't know if I'm going to do it today but the debate and the controversy from UK football and UK basketball fans is draining to say the least the football fans hate it some of them a minority minority fa- fans hate the basketball coverage in August and they are not happy about it so I, I might have to talk about this another time but. There's basketball going on, and they're going to go to the Bahamas and play six games in a few days. It's clear why – forget that UK is going to have the number one team in the country to start the year, and they just went to the national title game in a returning 
the bulk of their productivity from last season. But they're going to actually start playing games here in a few days. That's why there's basketball coverage. Clay B116, I'll, I'll get back to the – There's. I'm getting some tweets in. I'll get back to it. I'm going to talk about basketball for a little bit. But that's why people are talking basketball, and UK football fans seem to really hate it. And I don't get. I don't know if this happens at a lot of places where basketball and football fans go against go up against each other. I imagine it doesn't because some places it's obvious that football is is the top priority. You know, I'm sure at Alabama they're not having debates on why basketball is not getting much coverage. And at the surface, you'd look at it and say, hey, UK basketball should get all the coverage. UK football's won four games the last two years. Who cares? But UK football is making steps in the right direction. There's a very hungry fan base. It's a it's a up-and-coming program, I would say. So it's understandable that UK football fans would want some coverage. I just don't get why they would get mad that there's additional basketball coverage. If there was no football coverage, I'd get that. But the fact is, UK football is covered more than Louisville football, and, and I'm not saying that to put down Louisville's football program because uh, that's not the case at all, and there's no doubt that Louisville football over the past few years has been better than Kentucky football, but it gets covered a lot, is my point. And, and Louisville's been a team that's been winning their conference the last few years, uh, it, with the exception of this past season, and has had a lot of success, but Kentucky football still gets a lot of coverage like they are a, a program that's winning a lot, and that hasn't been the case. So my point is, they're still getting coverage. I just can't believe how many people get upset that basketball also gets coverage, despite it being August, despite them having a few games coming up. But I was able to watch them practice yesterday after the media opportunity. And if this team... I wasn't one of the ones saying 40, you know. And I was kind of trying to talk the people that were... I was trying to talk them down. 40 no talk was crazy, especially with how tough a schedule Kentucky had last year, especially with some of the road games they had last year. It, it was kind of silly to, to talk 40 no. I did think they would be much better than they were in the regular season. I think everybody did. But the 40 no talk was not the case. This year, I am much more optimistic Kentucky will be a dominant team than I was last year. I thought they'd be really good last year. This year, if they lose more than five games, including the tournament, Calipari did something wrong. Not to put crazy expectations on Kentucky, not to overhype the team like last year. They're going to lose a game. They're going to lose a game here and there because that's what teams do. It happens. But this team is loaded and we saw a practice without Willie Cauley Stein without Trey Lyles and I just from watching yesterday's practice I can reassure that Kentucky will have the biggest and most physical team in college basketball next year biggest was probably a no-brainer without having to see them practice you've got three seven-footers you've got Trey Lyles you've got Marcus Lee biggest was probably understood but that doesn't always mean that they have to be physical. And if I'm only talking about one thing from yesterday's practice, and I'm not, I'm going to talk about a few things, it's Dakari Johnson. Dakari Johnson 
will be the best center in college basketball next year. And he might not even play as, he might not even get the most minutes out of the centers on Kentucky's team. Yes, I'm that sure that Dakari Johnson will be the best true center in college basketball. Other centers in the runner in the running, Frank Kaminsky is certainly very good. He's not as much as a post-up option, but I'm sure he'll get better at that. He can shoot from anywhere. He's big. He rebounds well. Jaleel Okafor at Duke is going to have a really good year. He's going to be a guy. He's going to probably average the best numbers out of this, any of the centers. They'll both average better numbers than Dakari Johnson just because Dakari Johnson won't get to play as much. But if there was one guy that you could take off this UK team and put on another team and he would dominate, it'd be Dakari Johnson. You put him on a on a decent team. If you put him on Louisville last year, Louisville wins the title, in my opinion, without a, without a doubt. But if you put him on, it would have to be a decent team, a team that you know that teams wouldn't be able to focus in on him. Let's say if you put him on Michigan this upcoming year, I believe Dakari Johnson could average, depending on how much they went to him. He could average 20 and 10. His post moves are unbelievable for a big guy. The one downside for Dakari Johnson is he doesn't have a lot of lift. He's not, he doesn't play over the rim, but he has lost some weight. And just seeing one practice yesterday, that's been an improvement. He was throwing down one-handed alley-oops during the practice. So he's a little more bouncy. Now, he's not Anthony Davis. He's far from that. That's not going to be the type of player that he is. But he's bouncier than he was, and he's going to draw more fouls per minute than any other player in college basketball. He's an and-one machine. It's just because he's so big. He is such a big human being that it's tough for him not to get fouled. Now, he's still not a very good free-throw shooter, so that's, that's a problem for Kentucky. But he gets fouled all the time, and he's going to get so many offensive rebounds because he's so good at getting his body in position. So I can't wait to see what he's able to do for Kentucky. And I think you have to play him. You have to maybe even start him. If I'm, I think I was saying earlier that if you're Kentucky, you're going to start Willie Cauley-Stein and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm changing my mind. You're, you're starting Dakari Johnson down low, and then I don't really care who else you put down low with them. Put Alex Poitras down there for all I care. But you've got to have Dakari Johnson down there. And, and you probably, if I'm UK, you probably do Dakari Johnson and Willie Cauley-Stein. You play both big guys, both centers. They're both experienced. You've got your offense. You've got your defense. Now the paint might get a little crowded. But when, De- when Dakari Johnson works on one block and gets double teamed, then there's a very good chance Willie Cauley-Stein could be open for an, an oop or, or whatever. And, and I'm sure Willie Cauley-Stein's post moves are going to be more improved. But one takeaway I'm, I'm taking from yesterday's practice is Dakari Johnson. And Trevor Kelsey tweet, tweets into the show, I believe you completely on Johnson, so he's agreeing with me. I, I, I said last year during the season just what you could see from Dakari. He didn't always finish early on in the year. But just what you, what the moves he would make and the positions that he would get himself in, you saw that it was all right there. I said last year if he returned for a sophomore season, he'd be the best center in college basketball. And at the time, it might have not been a smart thing to say, but I stand by it right now. 
if you put Dakari Johnson on, on a team like Syracuse, the zone would be good for him. I'm not. I'm not encouraging Dakari Johnson to transfer to Syracuse, but the zone. He. I don't know if he's going to be the best defender in college basketball, but he's going to be good enough where it's not a liability. He's not going to block a lot of shots, but he's getting no. But nobody's going to back him down either, and he's going to get rebounds. But people are going to be able to shoot over him, despite him being a seven footer. But if he if he was in a zone like Syracuse, and I do think Kentucky's going to play more zone. I, I didn't. Yeah, some practice reports over the last few days have have hinted that Kentucky will play more zone, and they were practicing a lot of zone. I didn't see any of that yesterday, so I I can't comment on if they're going to play more zone. I think they should when you have a lineup that big. But a team like Syracuse, Sakari Johnson would just kill it. He'd be their option inside. So that's that's what I'm talking about. So that would be my takeaway on Dakari. Some more, I wrote a story today that you can find at catsalishcredit.com on Alex Poitras trying to transition to the three position. If you think, how is Alex Poitras going to play? Where is he going to get on the floor? The first thing that comes to mind is, well, he's got to be a three. Such a loaded front court. He played more of the four last season and did a good job of it. Had a lot of dunks. Is a, a good rebounder and, and kind of is pretty good at cutting and, and being able to finish around the rim. But if he's going to get on the floor this year, you'd think it has to be the three. And, we, and there's a story on him talking about trying to make that transition. Based on what I saw yesterday, if you're going to play him at the three, it, it's going to be him. It's going to be, in my opinion, unless he gets much, unless he gets a lot better, you're going to be kind of forcing him at the three. His shot isn't much better. He's still looking to score inside. Outside's not really an option for him. But John Calipari made a good point when talking to the media yesterday. He said, 2012, we had a three that was big and strong, and main focus was penetrating and rebounding. And he was talking about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I'm not comparing Alex Poitras to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, because that's not right. But Michael Kidd-Gilchrist didn't have an outside shot. Alex Poitras doesn't have an outside shot. So you you can play it you can play him at that position and I think Kentucky will be okay. A lot of people thought that that wouldn't work if he wasn't going to be able to improve on his three point shooting. He hit fourteen his freshman year, hit only eight his sophomore year. I don't expect him to hit probably more than fifteen this year. Maybe I, depending on how much he plays, maybe I do, but it's not going to be one of his go-to things is shooting on the perimeter. But I think Kentucky's going to be able to make it work, and they're going to be fine. And they're going to be a better rebounding team than they were last year, and they were the best rebounding team in college basketball. So obviously, I'm I'm very high on Kentucky. So let's see where I can take, where I can make some, where, where I can talk people down a little bit. And it's 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 going to be tough. I still think the Harrisons, while they're much improved and they looked good yesterday, they looked really good yesterday. They looked quicker, leaner, and, and smarter with some of their decision-making. I guess one downside for the Harrison twins would be I, I still think they're not going to be great defenders just because I don't think you can change that over a, a few months. They might be a little bit better but they're still not going to be a great defenders. I think Kentucky is going to, at times, struggle guarding teams like they did last year. Having Tyler Eulis and having Dominique Hawkins will be, uh, will be nice for Kentucky's defense. It'll help stop that at times. 
but you're going to want to still play the Harrisons because they're much better offensively. Maybe not much better than Tyler Eulis, who I could talk a lot about too. Uh, he's going to be awesome. UK fans are just going to love him, but the Harrison twins aren't going to be drastically better on defense. Kentucky at times is still going to struggle guarding guards. Now, luckily, you're going to have Willie Colley Stein, Marcus Lee inside, and Bubba Watson just gets an eagle, and he's pumped. I do want to talk about Bubba Watson as Clay B116 texts into the show. I, I, I He brought up a good point that I forgot and I had wanted to talk about. We'll get back to that in the last segment, though. So luckily, you're going to have some shot blockers for Kentucky that are going to help make up for UK's poor perimeter defense, which I think will be improved, but still not great. And that's another point right before, this will be my last point before I get to my break, is that Marcus Lee is going to have to play for Kentucky. I don't know who he's going to play over. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he's just such a a luxury to have. If Jakari Johnson's the one guy that you could take off this team and put somewhere else and he would dominate somewhere else, Marcus Lee is the second guy that you could take off this team and would dominate somewhere else. I don't think offensively he, he would be good anywhere in the country or, or great anywhere in the country, but just his, uh, his ability to be able to rebound, his ability to be able to slam in alley-oops. He was catching things in practice yesterday that I didn't think a human being could catch. There's one particular play, uh, and this might be getting too specific, but uh, one of the guards penetrated and got double teamed and really had nowhere to go with the ball. So this is kind of what Kentucky's been doing, or this is what I've been told they've been doing in practice, is that uh, you're going to see a lot more oops. It's going to be like 2012 with Anthony Davis' team. So I, I don't know if they've been told to do this or if it's just something that's easy for them because it's working at a high clip, is that when they get lost, they're just kind of throwing it up at the rim and people are going to be there to dunk it. Marcus Lee's the best on the team and probably the best in the country at being able to finish these alley-oops. So one of the guards penetrated, got trapped, had nowhere to go, so threw it up towards the rim, and it was a terrible pass, nowhere near the rim. But somehow a cutting Marcus Lee found it, but the only way he could get to it was with his back towards the rim. So he still catches it. And I momentum was even taking him away from the rim, but he's still able to use his link to grab the ball, which was so far away and still go do a backward slam. And he missed it because it, it was long. He hit it off the opposite side of the, of the rim. So he should have made it. I mean, he, he shouldn't have even touched it. I don't know how he even got to it, but once he got it, and put it towards the rim, he should have made it. And it went too too long off the back of the rim and, and went up in the air. And uh, I think the their offensive team ended up getting the rebound anyways. But just an unbelievable, freakish play. And that speaks to Marcus Lee's athleticism. You're going to have to play him because he's going to just keep – he's going to bail out some of the guards on plays like that. He can run the floor really well. He can dunk anything. He's a great shot blocker. He plays with intensity. He's It's fun to watch him play. So – I'm going to head to my last commercial break. I'll come back. Uh, just not enough time in the day. I'll talk a little a little bit about Bubba, what I was going to mention. And if you, if anybody, if I get any tweets about UK basketball, I'll, I'll address those or any tweets at all. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. And we're back with final and short segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz. An hour just at times. It's not long enough. So I wanted to address what, what Clay B116 brought up, and it was a good point. He said, are you going to mention your boy Bubba and being a Debbie Downer in the long ball competition? He said, I knew there was a reason I never liked Bubba. He said, not to mention Bubba's arms are way too skinny for his body. It really makes me mad for some reason. That's uh, well said, Clay. Well said. What he did at the long drive competition, and if you're not familiar, they had set it up at the 10th hole. It wasn't a, it wasn't. I don't know if it was an official competition. I don't know what the winner got. And, and you didn't even have to participate if you didn't practice the 10th the hole. But what they did, if you if you were at the 10th hole, it's a par 5. Nearly everybody uses a driver on that hole. It almost seemed like an impromptu competition. You just uh, They marked where your drive went, and they put it on a list, and that was it. A lot of people watched the 10th hole because it was fun. And that was pretty much that. Most players did it. Some guys had fun with doing it. Bubba goes there and just quietly tees, pulls out an iron, hits, picks it up, walks away. People were confused because Bubba Watson's known for his drives. He's known for knocking the snot out of the ball. And he comes... And Clay B116 says it was for charity, which I, I again I'm not sure if that if that's the case. I'm trying to find it out. Oh, it does. Okay, a prize that goes to charity. So that even makes it worse. So he just hits an iron and goes on his way. That would be one thing. And if when he talked to media afterwards, if he said, I, I wanted to see how I hit my irons on this hole going forward, I wanted to see if irons would be an option here, then I think most people would be like, okay, whatever. You know, probably, I, I don't know if I'd agree with it, but you'd go, well, sure. Sure, Bubba. You, you got to practice. But the fact is, he's going to hit driver. Everybody's going to hit driver on this hole. And Bubba's known for hitting drivers even when he shouldn't. But his quote afterwards is, I think, is what makes me kind of root for Bubba not to win this. And I like Bubba. But you do stupid stuff like this, and you get me to root against you for one tournament. And this might be a one-tournament ban for him. He said, I'm there to play golf, not to hit it for. I've got to practice. I've never been to this course. I don't need to worry about a long drive on the 10th hole. We're trying to win a great championship. There's no reason to make something up in the middle of a practice round like that. This is just right there in the middle of your practice round while you're trying to see the course. It's just kind of weird to me. I'm here to win a championship. I'm not here to goof around. Hitting a driver on a dry, on a hole that everybody's going to hit their driver is not goofing around, Bubba. That's you practicing what you're normally going to be doing. You're going to hit a driver on 10, so you might as well let them measure how far you hit your driver when you're practicing. I'm glad Clay B116 brought this up because I wasn't going to talk about it. And I talked about it with my buddies at lunch today about just how stupid it was. 
lot of people like Bubba. This is, seems uncharacteristic for him to complain and whine about something so trivial. If it was a a par four, a 350 par four, 350 yard par four, where some people could reach it on the green if you if you hit it right, and they made the long drive contest on that, which they would never do, then I would get Bubba saying, "Well, this is kind of stupid." But this is you are going to practice your your goal today on Friday, on Saturday, and Sunday is going to be to hit a good drive that goes far on a par five. You hit it good enough, and maybe you can get it there in two. I'm not even sure. That the, the, he just eagled a hole. I'm not sure what, what hole it was, but it would be hilarious if that if he eagled the, the number 10, thanks to a good drive, but I'm not sure if that's the case. But really, just uh, ridiculous on his part. So he's going to get a one a one-time tournament ban for me. I hadn't seen the quotes until today after it, but I had known that he had skipped on the long drive competition. So I'm not rooting for him. Uh, Again, UK media day tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of football talk. Look forward to talking about that. We're going to talk PGA too. And we're still going to preview a little bit of the, of the Bahamas trip. I didn't get to talk about John Calipari's comments and what to look forward to as UK heads into that trip. So thanks for listening today. Go Martin Keimer. Go John Daly. We'll be back tomorrow to talk some more. This is Sports Soccer on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you soon.